0: We hope you're encouraged by today's message.
1: It's been, a, it's been an interesting year, and what I always like to do, and I, I, I would encourage you not only in, in church and what we're doing here, but I encourage you in your personal life to use and, and, and do this. Take this principle and do it. To look back at 2019 and to look forward at 2020, and, and, and one of the things I want to do this morning is, is do that. And, uh... I usually do it on this Sunday because this is one of the least attended Sundays because everybody's recovering for Christmas and gearing up again and getting fluids in them for new year's Eve so uh, <laughs> anyways uh, so we're, but by God's grace, we want to look a little bit back and we want to look a little forward. but I'm telling you, as you're having dinner with the family, as you're sitting with your wife or your husband, or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, whatever it might be, have that conversation what it, what it, 2019 look like? What are some of the things that maybe God was doing or we saw him do? What are some of the things we can do differently? And then and looking forward to 2020, what did, what did God do? What do we want to see him do in 2020? And and, and set a little vision for what that that might be. And, and between 19 and 20, we see this in 1st James 22 to 24. It says this, do not merely listen to the word so that you deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at the face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. I don't have that problem. You know, I can't wait for tomorrow. Let me just say, I can't wait for tomorrow you get every because I get better looking every day. <laughs> so I don't struggle with the mirror thing, I struggle with humility, I struggle with a few other things, but not the mirror thing. So, but but James says this. You got that problem too, don't you? I know you do. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've digressed. James says this um, that who looks in the, at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many want to be blessed in what they do in 2020? I want to be blessed in everything I do in 2020. And James kind of gives us a little bit of a, a road map for that. Looking in the mirror, what, what is that like? It, 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 that, that, that chunk of scripture in James is, is about two things. It's about listening and it's about doing. It's about doing and it's about listening. And and what James says is this, as Christians, there shouldn't be a disconnect between what we hear and what we read in God's word and what we do. Now, we all know that, that we're not great at it, but here's what God has called us to, is to close the gap. Just close the gap a little bit. I think, you know, you need to take this principle in, in your marriages and your relationships and all that you do. If you can just close the gap a little bit between what, what we hear and know of God's Word and what we're actually doing with God's Word. I'm not asking you to be uh, the Pope. I'm not asking you to be, you know, a, a saint. I'm not asking you to be any of those things. What I'm saying is this. Just that next step of I heard what God's Word said and I, I'm just going to do it. Crazy, isn't it? We apply this to every, every aspect of our life. When we talk to our kids, we expect them to listen and do what we ask them to do. When you go to work, your boss says, listen, and you're supposed to do. Some of you are shaking your head because you don't do that in the rest of your life. But I'm saying, let's close the gap here in 2020. Looking back at 2019, as, as I think, there there's a lot of listening that I was trying to build into this church, a new church. You know, we're about um, last September was a uh, one year anniversary in this this building, so we were kind of you know just I, I just wanted to build this foundation. It says this in First Corinthians three thirteen: If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. So what have we built in 2019? What did that look like? Now, for many of you who come twice a month, it doesn't look the same as the rest of you. Come on, that's kind of funny. A little bit. We know statistically that, that, that the average Christian goes to church twice a month. That's not you guys, but some of you in here, therefore there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but come every week, okay? Um, <laughs> what have we built with? This is the foundation that, that I felt like God was calling us to build with in 2020. Doctrine, Jesus' parables, five. So this is what we did and went through in 2019. These are things. I don't know if you remember. We started off last year with doctrine, the importance of doctrine, and we did this. We walked through 30 Days of Understanding the Bible, a book that, I don't know, if you by adders. If you don't have the book, let me know, and I'll get it for you. If you don't have the book, and, and, and it, it is one of the most, I think, the most foundational, a great book, and we gave them out to the church's presence, to walk through and get an understanding of the Bible, how it's broken down, what it, how it works. And in this... This series on doctrine we talked about, it is written, we, the Word of God, that Scripture alone, that God's Word is absolute truth. And, and we talked about the veil and how you stand on the word of God and how you stand on his promises. We did this to kick off the, the year. And, and one of the things that I, I was trying to do is that, that we would take this word and we would make it valuable in our lives, that we would eat it and we would wrestle with it, we'd chew on it, and we would, we would literally, we talked about standing on the word of God and the promises of God in your life where you don't see what's happening and you don't know what's going to happen, but you go, no, I've got the promises of God and I'm going to stand on this word every day. And that's what we talked about in doctrine. And then we kind of rolled into this thing, but what does God want? What might it look like if we got, if God got what he wanted in your life and mine? What does that divine direction look like? And one of the things that we said was this, who before do and why before what? Who, Jesus, before we do anything. It's about Jesus this thing called life is about Jesus. Some of us run ahead. Before you do, you've got to be in this relationship with Jesus. The why before the what. Why? Because of what Jesus did for me before I go and what I do. And we talked about direction and hearing from God and what that looks like and what the voice of God sounds like in our lives. Some of you are going, I didn't remember that message or messages, and it's because you were sleeping too. Um, <laughs> all these messages... Um, when, when we talk about and we come into church, I pray over them. I know, it's crazy. Pastor praying. So, um, but I try to pray over what God is doing and directing and leading. And pastors do. All, uh, all the pastors I know, they, they do that also. But it's, we're trying to hear God for this church. The reason we pray for churches, like Chris prayed this morning, is the church is only one church. We just happen to be an expression of the church of Christ. In this little school in Orange County, uh, we are an expression, no better, no worse, but we're an expression of who God is, and these are some of the principles we talked about. And then we went through parables. We went through uh, uh, four or five of Jesus' parables and talked about those uh, throughout the year and in and, and, and Luke and, and really just kind of dove into his word and, and the parables of Jesus. Then we moved on. Anybody remember this one? We talked about the five stones of David. And what we said is this, that there are giants in every one of our lives. Every one of us have giants that we face. And God has given us these these five stones that we identified that David had in his pouch that he went to slew Goliath with. Give me the grammar on that. Slay. Slay Goliath on that. Look, I am all about, uh, you know, I'm just a pretty face. I don't have much of a brain, okay? So just, just go with the pretty face. And when my grammar is corrected, as it usually is by my wife, and she's the total package. She is smart and pretty. Thank you. Um, what? I thank you. I recovered on that one. Okay. Um What? He slayed Goliath. David ran to the front. He had in his pocket, in his bag, he had five stones. And what we identified as these stones were repentance and faith, the word of God, worship and thankfulness. And what we said is this, that when you face your giants this next year or throughout life, you've got to be able to reach into that pocket and you've got to have one of those stones, if not all of those stones, to throw at the enemy so that you can be victorious. See, in the Christian life, a large number of Christians have nothing to throw because they don't know his word. They have no way of defeating the enemy because they've forgotten about this thing called repentance. They have no way of getting around the the giant that's in their life because they have no faith to to propel them forward in order to win the battle that God has called them to. The church, and I'm generalizing, doesn't know how to worship. Therefore, they can't defeat the giant because their heart is so hardened there's no worship that goes forth and no thankfulness for what God has given them. See, and what we've said is you got to be able to reach in the pouch and you got to be able to grab the stone and you got to be able to throw it to defeat the enemy that has been placed in front of you. Then we went into this on holiness, the holiness of God. The holiness of God. And, and, and this is what we said about God's holiness. God's holiness is a defining characteristic. It's a define. it's who is holiness. It just it will, it will should drive us to our knees. The holiness of God is a term used in the Bible to describe both his goodness and his power. It is completely unique and utterly all-powerful, radiant out from God like energy. That God's holiness is so overwhelming that it can actually be dangerous to approach. We see that in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 33. But throughout Scripture, we, we see this Bible, the holiness of God, and the flippancy in which Christians walk around and, and, and live our lives outside of the holiness of God is, is maddening. It's maddening to me in my own life. And we talked about how holy God is. You see, we're trying to build something last year. I'm trying to build a solid foundation, something that that you can, and if you'll just take a little bit of it, if you'll just close the gap a little bit, if you'll just listen just a little bit, if you'll just grab this word just a little bit, if you'll just come to church a little bit, if you'll just do these, I'm convinced that this word will set you free. See, here's what I know about the word of God. It just takes a drop. And if you'll just ingest a little bit, you'll become hungry for more. Yeah. See, because when you've tasted who he is, when you've tasted his goodness, when you've tasted his peace, I'm ta- I can do all things through Christ Amen. when I taste him. That's what we've said. One of my favorite uh, series that we did over the summer was this one. Who's eating your fruit? And we talked about um, that each one of us produces fruit in our lives. All of you in here are producing fruit regularly out of your life. It's literally coming off of your life, and people are eating off of it, or are they? See, because when you when you have the rotten bananas and the soft soft tomatoes and the, the bad fruit, people don't want to eat it. And we have this church in America, I'm generalizing, I'm I'm painting with a broad brush. There, there's these Christians, and we wonder why no one's eating our fruit because it's it's rotten. It's not sweet. And and and, and no one is if, if if no one's grabbing the fruit off your life, then then we've gotta look and see what kind of fruit we're producing. And we talked about these things, chasing happiness and what it provides. We talked about mixing in hope. Again, we talked about holiness. We talked about Jesus being a rock, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, resilient Christianity, resonating, a heart for others. All these things. Because at the end of the day, if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, that light lives in you. How do you not bring it to the midst of darkness? How do you not allow someone to eat the fruit off your life? Then we went into the Holy Spirit. That was a fun one. We kind of kicked some of you back on your heels a little bit. Um, We talked about who is he? Is he a person? Is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? Is he charismatic? Does he baptize? Does he speak in tongues? And and what we said in this this series, and what our hope and our, our expectation was that God would move in miraculous ways in our lives. That that first and foremost, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we will speak of Him as a person, not an It. Right. That you don't say it, the Holy Spirit, but you say Him, that you have a personal relationship with Him, that this 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 same spirit, and I say this often because it is a powerful statement that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and I. And that same power that that raised Christ from the dead, that lives in you, is what gives me the power to make it through the day when everything else sucks. Don't judge me with that word. You can, but my mom's not here, so I can do a little Christian cussing today. Look, it's, it's, it's that power that comes forth from his word that I eat when I read his word, that I stand on when I read his word, that allows me to make it the next day. You want to know why we don't make it day by day? You know the days that, that I, I struggle are the days that I don't stand on the power of God and, and access this gift that Jesus gave me that he talks about in John 14. It's good that I leave. I'm sending someone. It, it, it's, it's my spirit And when I walk in that, I have the ability to make it through the day. We talked about Pentecostalism. Look, we as a church, we believe that God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. We've seen God do miracles. We believe in miracles. I don't get to control that. I don't get to, you know, manipulate that. Uh, But I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand and believe. I'm gonna pray. And I'm going to believe in my life and for yours. Then we went into, during the Thanksgiving time, we went into thankful. What does it mean to have a thankful heart? What does it mean? Thankfulness and gratitude are attitudes of the heart that are awakened by a relationship with Jesus. You can't fully, you can't fully walk in thankfulness unless you have a relationship with Jesus. That's what we said. And somebody goes, Oh, I can be thankful without this. And people, of the world will say, oh, I can be. Th-. No, 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 no. You, when you understand, when I understand that I deserve hell, sounds a little harsh. Somebody say, No, you do deserve hell, John. <laughs> when I understand this principle that I deserve, that my sin deserves to separate me from God, but God sends his son who dies on the cross for my sins, in the midst of my most heinous sin, God said, here's my son Jesus. I'm sending him for you. See, thankfulness is an attitude of heart that is awakened by the fact that Jesus is paying the price for me. And if I don't keep that in front of me, my thankfulness, my gratitude, it wanes. It comes and goes. But as James said, if you can keep it as a mirror in front of your face, what Jesus did, if you, can, if you can walk in the fullness of, 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 of trying to grasp what he did for me some 2,000 years ago on that cross, if I can, if I can sit in in, 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 in the presence of God, how do I not have an attitude of thankfulness? Everything else is is is, is, is icing on the cake. Look, if God didn't do a single thing for me, see, because that's the mindset that we walk in, God, what are you going to do for me? We had this series a couple of years ago, Jesus in the bottle. I'm going to rub that bottle. God, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me today? What are you going to do for me today? If we can get away from that and just sit in the presence of who he is and what he did on the cross, it's enough. Should be enough. It's enough. And out of that being enough, comes thankfulness. Oh, God, thank you. That's how you can sit in the middle of the most just messed up situation in life. That's how you sit right in the middle of it with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Have you ever met that person? We talked about that. There's, there's a number of those people in this church, and I, I want that same thing. In the middle of the most miserable time in life, I want to be able to say, thank you, God. I'm not, I'm not, let's be very clear. You're not saying thank you for whatever ails you or whatever you're going. No, thank you, God, that you sustain me. Thank you, God, that you are life. And we talked about gratitude and and thankfulness over the Thanksgiving. Then we finished up the year with this series on O Holy Night. And what we said during the Advent season is this, that we're waiting with hope, that we're waiting with hope that hope has been completely misrepresented in the church. And, and this, this false hope that everything is going to get better, necessarily. And we preach these messages that, look, if you'll just come, and you'll come every Sunday, not twice a month. If you'll just tithe, and that's 10%, not just 3%. If you'll just, if you'll just pray harder, if you'll just, if you'll just do this harder, and, and, and you'll come to every meeting, and every small group, and all of these things, everything will be better, and it's not true. Some of the most faithful people I know do all those things, and life isn't better for them. Because they understand this Christmas hope that this word brings that says this. Look, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 4. Our God is more than able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow our knee to you. That's crazy faith. I want to live in that faith. I want to live in that faith where where I go, no matter what's going on around me, what I smell, taste, feel, touch, all these things, my hope is this, that someday, that someday I'll stand before my creator. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Revelation 21 says there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, and he'll make it all anew. That's the hope I live in. I can't live in the hope that my body's going to be healed or better. I can't live in the hope that I'm going to make more money. I can't live in the hope that, that she's going to be nicer to me. I can't live in the hope. <laughs> you know, I can't. No, no, no. My hope is in Christ Jesus and when he comes back, what he's going to do. Right. We talked about hoping in the unexpected, that some of you live in this, This yeah, I didn't see it coming this way. I didn't see it. And God goes, hope in the unexpected. You can hope in the unexpected. The unexpected was a baby that came some 2,000 years ago for you and me. We talked about praying with hope, that we have this access to the Father, and that you can pray in hope. Let me, let me clarify something. I'm not saying don't stop. To, I'm not telling you to stop praying and asking God for a healing or asking God to do something in your finances or asking God to do something in your marriage. I'm not, not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in Jesus and then ask and see what God might do. We talked about hope in the silence. Hope when you don't hear God saying anything. Knowing full well that God is still moving, even though you can't hear him. And then we talked about the light of hope of Christ Jesus. That, that's what we went through in 2019. And, and here, you know, it, it was it was about listening to God's Word. But even in the midst of that, this is what God has done in this church. Just a few things that God's done. Last year, 2019, this little little church in in the middle of nowhere in Costa Mesa, in this this great school. We baptized 14 people last year by God's grace. I mean, I, I got to baptize my daughter. I think I baptized my son. Did I baptize a son? Yeah, I think I did. Yes, TJ. <laughs> Sorry, t <laughs> We added three, three new crappy life groups, <laughs> and they were. But you know what? So what? We added some life groups. I don't care. Look, that, the, the, the definition of, of, of that word, crappy, um, <laughs> I'm just having my mom's not here so I can say it. That's great. Dad, don't tell her I said that today. Um, it, it's, it's Look, I, I, look it, it, we're two or more gathered. I'm there in the midst. And the world that that sits out there and goes, hey, church has got to look like that, will come in and they'll go, oh, you're not really a church. You're a real nice Bible study here on Sundays because you only got whatever. No, 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 no. No, it's defined by its people and what God's doing in the midst of its people. That's what I love. Uh-huh. I don't care if it, yeah, honest, I, this isn't about, you know, it's about this, what God's doing. We dedicated a bunch of babies and... uh uh the babies were less than crappy. They were fantastic. <laughs> They're really good. Um, added new families and, and new friendships. And new friendships. That's church. That's church. Last year for me was, was, was really big about, let's just get this word out there. Let's build. Let's listen. Let's listen. See, the only problem with that is, is, is James says, you can't just listen. So the the transition that I feel like God is calling us into in 2020 is really, not that we didn't do, that God didn't do some things in 19, but the transition I feel like is God's going, okay, there's some things that I want you to do. As a church in a whole, but as an individual. On two levels. See, James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Look, there's this whole church walking around. I'm generalizing, painting with a broad brush again. There's this whole group of people that have this relationship, or at least claim to have this relationship with Jesus. But none of them do what it says. Now let me qualify. I don't always do what it says. My goal is not to be perfect because by the grace of God I'm trying, but it's it's this closing the gap of trying to be more like Jesus each day. You don't, you don't measure discipleship and success in, in, in this relationship with God by the absence of sin because it'll never happen this side of heaven. You measure it by the time between the sin in your life. You measure it by that gap closing and becoming more intimate with God and so much so that, that I don't want to do that sin anymore. I've got a relationship with God and it's so intimate with God that I'm burdened and I'm broken when I do that sin again. That, that's what we're talking about why why for we're co-workers in God's service see this whole thing this Christian life some of you have been lied to I was lied to for years they said it was about me it's not about you this whole thing called church Jesus relationship in, in the same way that this relationship with Chris in our marriage it's not about me I like to think it's about me and I try to make it about me more times than not and and I love it being about me but it's not about me and it's the same thing in this church thing I try to think it's about me and and I, I try to make it about me and I want it to be about me but it's not about me it's about others and the reason Jesus came was for you so that you would be a light in the midst of darkness. Not so that you would hide it. Not so that you would come twice a month. Not so that you wouldn't talk about Jesus in the workplace or in your home with your kids, with your family. None of those re. No, 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 Jesus says, I want it out there, and I'm going to use you if you're willing to be a co-worker in my service. Can you imagine there's some two billion Christians I don't know how they measure that, but they say there's 2 billion Christians in the world today. About a third of the population, they say, are Christians. What if, if, if a third of the, the world understood this? What could we do? I can't, I can't worry about a third of the world doing this. So what if, what if the 300, there's 330 million people in America? Yeah, it's, all the statistics are all screwy. So let's just say, let's say a third of America... What if a third of America were co-workers in God's? Can't really do that. It's too big. So, so Orange County is, is 3.2 million people. Let's just give them, let's just say a million because it's supposedly a conservative county in California. Let's, let's just say, um, you know, a, a third of Orange County is, are co-workers. What, what could be done here? Okay, I, I can't control that. So what about Costa Mesa? 110,000 people in Costa Mesa. There's about 50-some-odd churches, give or take, you know, the week, the day, churches closing, churches opening, whatever. What if, what if out of that 110,000-ish in Costa Mesa, what if 35, 40,000 were co-workers in God's service? What could be done? Okay, I can't do anything about that. I got a church of about any given day, anywhere from 50 to 80 people. I can do something about that. See, I, I can do something about that, kinda. What I can do is 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 I can I can give you what I believe God wants you to have, so that you'll be a coworker in God's service. Now, my wife says, as, as I've I've told you many times, she says I have the gift of thinning the crowd, <laughs> which I take as a compliment, because I, 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 when I look at scriptures, I see Jesus thinning the crowd a lot. He draws lines and he goes, "Unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you can't be my." Disciple, and then it says many left him on that day. He says in, in, in Mark, he says, you, "Unless you hate your mother, brother, father, mother, sister, even your own life unto death, you cannot be my disciples." And people freaked out. He said, "Unless you pick up your cross my cross daily, you, you can't do this thing." You know, and, and people are like, ah, this whole cross thing's a little trippy, dude." See, I can't control the three two billion people. Let's say that they're co-working in God's service. But here's what I can control. I can, I can, I can do what God has called me to in this church, but ultimately the only thing that I can control is me. I can't make you do it. I cannot make you walk in the fullness who God's created you to be. Only you can. But I know this, for we are co-workers in God's service. Doing. See, it says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, 6 through 9. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. But God, God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants, you or me, or the one who sows, you or me, or waters anyth- is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are in our God's field, God's building. God does the work. But also says you've got to you sow seeds. He's called us to water. Let's look at all this. I want to tie this together. It says, not merely listeners of the word who deceive themselves. Do what it says. He goes on three times. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and left a look and it goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing, they will be blessed. You want to be blessed in 2020? It's time to do what God has called us to do. Let me be very clear here. Now, Let me draw a very clear line. Salvation, grace, completely free. You did nothing to earn it. You cannot do anything to get the free gift of salvation that comes only through the blood of Christ. Can't do anything to get it. So good. But everything after it, God says, now do. Of Abraham, it says, he did, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Now do. Doing. This is what it says, in the scripture before this in James that says do, do, do. This is what he says before it. You need to look at the whole context. I, Oops, I went the wrong way. Look at the whole context of doing. Says, so my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to becoming angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God's desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Get rid of it. Okay. Again, why does James address this this way? Because God wants you to be a co-worker. God wants to work in your life in ways that you cannot even imagine. God wants to use you to make a difference in someone's life that you can't even imagine. So I went to pick up the donuts today. One of the most important jobs in the church. I went to pick up the donuts today. And I go in, I mean, every every Sunday I go in there. And they're, they're these uh, this Asian family runs it. They're hilarious. I mean... <laughs> Grandma Grandma was just in the hospital. She's doing better. She had a little scare, but they took care of her. They got her out. Um, The two daughters of the mom that helps mainly run it, the two daughters trying to get their boyfriends to come in and work with them. And sometimes they show up, and sometimes they don't. and she, she, we make jokes and, and about white guys and Asian guys and uh, you know I'm like you know it, it just it all these we just banter back and forth and 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 talk and, and but it, it is there's something about being the light in there. They have Buddha everywhere and they and I said well, how was Christmas and Jesus no Jesus Buddha I'm like no G, no Buddha Jesus you know we go that and laugh and all that stuff it. it I'm a co-worker in God's service. How do I not walk into that place every week and let them know who Jesus is? And I don't mean, ah, Jesus. I mean, hey, those Asian guys, you know, they like to sleep in. Oh, really? Well, the white guys, they don't show up to work, you know. It's, it's, they just laugh. So I went in, and the mom was there yesterday. She's like, my daughters just love you. They think you're so funny, you know. And I'm like, okay. It, it's just, God's called me to be a light. Both these scriptures that we talked about, um, watering and planting God's word, what I was just talking about doing, because we're co-workers with Christ, and, and this scripture in James that says, take note of this. Listen, slow to speak, don't become angry. Get rid of all moral filth and evil. Both of those scriptures are very uncomfortable. If you really grab them as a Christian... And chew on them, and wrestle them, and, and try to ply them. They're both very uncomfortable. You know, many of you are like, I don't want to go in there and tell anybody about Jesus. I, I don't want to go and I, I don't. Why do I, ah? It's just not comfortable for me. Many of us are like, ah, I don't want to get rid of that sin in my life. I actually like it. It's just uncomfortable. You want me to deal with my anger? Anger is my friend. Both these scriptures put just lay it out for you and 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 right in your face and they're incredibly uncomfortable if you allow them to be. So all that to say, 2020. I I just feel like God's saying, okay, I want I, I want to put you in a place that's uncomfortable. But not because I want to torture you. Because I want to show you my grace. I, I want to bless you. That's what James says. If you do these things, you will be blessed. Uh, playing sports, growing up playing sports, playing playing at, at, at incredibly average, but i I did play at the highest level, but i was I was terrible. So I was the best I was the worst of the best. How's that? Okay. Um, they always would put you in these uncomfortable situations. So that when the game came on, you'd be comfortable. I think we have this church that, that just kinda, yeah, we read the word this week. Yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I tipped God. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's real comfortable. And God goes, You're you're missing a piece of me that you 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 don't get to taste because you're not willing to live in the uncomfortableness. Some of the greatest just emotional highs in my life were, came out of this living in this uncomfortable place of, of working out every day and, and legs burning and, and getting up and all these things. And then stepping into this, this stupid thing called a game and just feeling good and it going really well. Unbelievable. And, and some of us as Christians, are, we're not willing to sit in the uncomfortableness of, 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 of reading his word and fasting and knowing who he is, and the uncomfortableness of, of laying everything that we have at his feet, and the uncomfortableness of, of waking up in the morning going, God, today's day is your day, not mine, and the uncomfortableness of, of maybe having to break up with a, a guy or a girl because that's not who God has called you to be with, or the uncomfortableness of taking responsibility for your sin. And God's going, I just... I just want you to, because when you're in that place of uncomfort, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So, we're gonna kick off <laughs> with an uncomfortable barbecue in two weeks. <laughs> we're gonna have really crappy food. <laughs> no, we're. I want to kick off the year on January 12th with the series leading up to Easter. Being uncomfortable, and then walking in the peace of God. What does that mean? What does it look like? And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to make you uncomfortable because I'm going to talk about what this word says. Not things that I look. If I if I wrote this, if I was the one who wrote this, probably two three pages, and it'd be it'd be a party. I didn't write these words, but here's what I know. They are they are food to my soul and they bring peace and they bring hope and if, you'll, if you're willing to walk this journey with us for this, this next season I, I am convinced that the stories that will be told will blow your mind the lives that will be changed you go I, I didn't see that coming I'm not talking about yours I'm talking about others If you'll just sit in it for a little while, watch what God might do. I think we've built a pretty good uh, uh, foundation over the last year. It's time to do some things. The reality is this. Some of you may not come back. All right. I have that gift. (laughs) If I'm honest with you, and we've talked about this. Give me 15, 20, 30 people that are willing to walk in the uncomfortableness, in the peace of God, as opposed to thousands that are just showing up. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't, I don't mean that in a critical way. Please hear me when I say that. Because let me tell you, Saddleback man, these guys are doing so much more than I've ever done or will do. It's not a critical spirit in which I say that. I know who God's called me to be. He's called me to run people off. <laughs> He's called me to love people. He's called me to walk with people. And sometimes I rub you the wrong way. Sometimes this word, regularly this word, rubs me the wrong way. But I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is the answer.
0: Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.